Welcome to Why Sew, the podcast where some of your favorite sewing personalities and rising stars share what motivates them to create using needle and thread. I'm your host, Jason Prater, and with me today is my longtime friend, colleague, Sue Hausman, the author, former vice president of education and consumer motivation with the Husqvarna Viking Sewing Machine Company, and probably best known for her role as host of America Sews. I want to welcome her today and thank her for being on the podcast, Sue. Thanks for being here. I'm anxious to hear all about why you so. Hey, what a joy to be here, Jason, and to be with all your people that are listening. So much fun. And when when you and Ellen called me and, and you know asked me to consider doing this, I thought, wow, why I so? I would love to share that with people because I, of course, today still want to encourage people to sew and quilt and get into this incredible life skill, I call it. How did I get into this? People always ask me, how did you learn to sew? Or where did, where did you get this job? I, when I knew you, you were a mommy, you know. <laughs> and uh, basically, as a, young, as a youngster, and as I grew into teenage years and into married years and then into it, working in the industry, I have had so many fabulous mentors People who cared about me, people who loved me. I think we're all given God-given talents. And basically, I think sewing was one of those talents that God gave me, but it took the people around me to kind of show me that. When I was a child, my dad was the sewer in our home. And he made all of, yeah, he made all our drapes and our bedspreads. He did our mending. He did, you know, dust ruffles for the, and his, he sewed on what had been my grandma's treadle that he put a motor on and it went one speed. And my mother said, (laughs) I never sewed because it made me so nervous because it went so fast. But we lived in the country on 10 acres and had neighbors that sewed. Next door, Aunt Dorothy, and she let me use her sewing machine. But a special neighbor down the street who had young children, and I loved kids. By the way, my life goal was to actually get married and become a homemaker and raise a family. And if I couldn't find anybody to marry me, then I was going to be a nurse or a teacher. But basically... You couldn't do both of those, Sue. Come on. I could. I could. Although my, you know, my motto is women today can have it all. They don't necessarily have to have it all at once. And I believe that's the way God has led my life to be a wife, a mother, and then to take my favorite thing to do, my life skill of sewing, and turn it into an incredible career. What a fantastic way to put that. They can have it all, but not right now. I love that. Women can have it all, but they, they don't have to have it all at one time. You know, they don't have to. And I used to say that in a program that I gave, and I did this program for women my age, which were, was over 40 at the time, who were, you know, feeling like, oh my gosh, my children have all left home. What am I going to do? I'm, you know, my job is over. And it's like that program actually became more for young women who were struggling with wanting to stay home with their children. And usually it was their parents who had paid for their education who were saying, (laughs) you're you're a vice president in this company. You can't quit now and stay home with your kids for five years because you'll never get back to where you are. And then they'd look at me and they'd like, you started at 44. And (laughs) (laughs) so that's been a fun thing. But dad was a sewer, but these neighbors were so kind. And what I saw sewing do for them, of course, was to allow them to have wonderful clothing, which in those days we couldn't go out and buy a lot of wonderful clothes. 
building yeah. and creative homes. In those days, we didn't have a lot of creative home goods to buy. And so basically the one lady with the children, and by the way, she's in her nineties now. And I just had a co- telephone conversation with oh, her the other day. Special. And we, She lives in the Chicago area still. And we talked a lot about how her mentoring and her example had led me to become a sower and her teaching. And so that's how I learned. I got into 4-H when I was 10 years old. And 4-H actually was the starting ground. And where my parents really couldn't afford to buy a lot of clothes, they bought fabric for me. And they encouraged the skill. And my dad especially decided, we need a sewing machine that you want to sew on. And this was 1956. And we went to Marshall Fields in Chicago and we bought a straight stitch singer for $386. Now, my friend, that was like, what? $6,000 today. I mean, basically a lot of money. But I've always said to people, don't try to sew on a junky machine. I'm sorry. I'm not saying what brand you should buy or anything like that, but get a quality sewing machine because that's the way to learn. That's the way to keep doing it. That's the way to enjoy your sewing is to have a quality machine that doesn't give you hassles and all that. But anyway, another story. That's like how working I got with into crappy it. tools on a car, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You you don't want to work with crappy tools. And same thing. You don't want to work with people. People spend $15,000 sewing machine and then they go out and they buy cheap needles and cheap thread. Give me a break. That's what's interfacing with your fabric as you're sewing the needle and the thread. And then they're blaming the sewing machine because it doesn't work right. So, <laughs> But uh, I kept going. Herb and I were married very young. And in our first home, we had no money. Our curtains were all made from sheets that were printed. You know, like one was stripes, one was flowers that were made from the curtains that we had, the sheets that we had gotten as shower gifts. Uh, I and love so it. I was able to sew for our family and I made virtually all our clothes for years and years and years. And uh, my, my aunt gave me this bolt of corduroy because they had been in some kind of a business. And we had, every kid had blue corduroy suits, <laughs> pants, outfits. We, <laughs> it was hysterical. So basically my sewing has, as I say, served me so well throughout my life. And all those years, there were incredible mentors who led the way and helped me learn more, number one, about sewing. People always say, how did you learn all these tricks and how did you learn to sew? Well, I learned by doing. Basically, a lot of what I do, I learned by doing. Yeah. And I love to show people fast ways of doing things because, hey, it's if you cannot compromise the garment, you can do it a faster way. Let's do it. Now, you wrote, you wrote a book on that, right? So fast, uh, well, fast, faster, yeah. fastest, maybe well, something like that. Y- yes, there's a book published by Rodale Press, obviously out of print today, but it's called So Fast, Faster, Fastest. And it has three ways of doing virtually every sewing technique. And I did some craftsy classes. And one of those actually does the same thing. Three ways, a fast way, a faster way, and a fastest way. And I always say there's really no run one right way to sew. To me, the right way to sew is the right way that works for you and the right way that works for the project or for the garment. Mm. Because bottom line, everyone is different. And I want you to enjoy your sewing. Most people that love to sew, like me, enjoy the process of making something just as much as the finished project that they end up with. So Fast, Faster, Fastest was based on for your quick kids pajamas, you know, do them on the serger, do them as fast as you can. But I had the joy and the privilege of making two of my daughter-in-law's wedding dresses. Oh, wow. And actually remaking my grandmother's wedding dress sewn in 1908 for my other daughter. Oh, wow. And when I was doing those dresses, 
obviously I use not the fastest, quickest way of doing it, but my best sewing skills. So, but sewing, why do I sew? It's everywhere we go. I try to have a sewing machine with me or know there's a sewing machine there. Or sometimes I'll call a local store and I know people all over the country, of course, I'll say, could I rent? And of course they never let me pay, but could I borrow a sewing machine for a couple of days? I'm at so-and-so's house and they want new curtains or they want this or they want that. My uh, daughter-in-law in Atlanta they bought a beautiful new home and she bought curtains for the bedroom and I hemmed them up for her and fixed them. And she said, you just saved me about $7,000. And I said, oh, great. But they usually have projects for me. Uh, When I get there, they usually have a little pile of bending, but maybe another project. So I feel it's a joy to be able to sew for family and for kids. And for we, we now, of course, we have four children and we have 10 grandchildren and we have nine great grandchildren. That's and a lot so, of people to sew for, Sue. Well, just last week, I made a baby shark, little baby, little quilt for a great grandchild in Texas because she loves baby shark, baby shark, you know. <laughs> <laughs> baby shark, shark, I, shark, shark. <laughs> yep, yep. And so when she got it, her mommy said she immediately just grabbed it and carried it around the whole day and she pulls it over herself. I put Minky on the back. Oh, so it's got man. baby shark on the top. So I love to sew for people. I love to sew for people I love. And, you know, people ask me to sew for them and I'm sorry, I, I, I can't, I don't want, I don't care to get into the alterations business. I do have the names of people that are in that business here, but people are always, and I say, I only sew for people I love. So when people come at church, I say, okay, well, I only sew for people I love, but I'll do that for you because <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so, so when you go all the way back to when you were a little child and your dad was the one primarily sewing in the house, which I think is just fantastic that you're one of the only people, well, there was one other person that I've interviewed so far whose father was kind of the sewing person in the household, but actually it was a side story about somebody else's father. But anyway, do you remember just looking at him doing that and going, man, I really want to be able to do that. I mean, is that kind of how the thing started? I mean, how did you say, I want to do this? What about it made you say, I want to do this? It wasn't my dad. It was this neighbor with four little children. And I called myself her mother's helper. And I would walk down to her house every day and help her with her little family of four children that were all really little. And I looked at her sewing and I went, I want to do this. Ah. I want to be able to create for my family and my home and for others. I want to be able to give the gift of sewing to others. So when you introduce yourself or talk about your passion, do you consider yourself a sewist, a sewer, seamstress, tailor, quilter, crafter, omnicrafter, embroiderer? I mean, how do you <laughs> how do you encapsulate all of that into how you identify? Well, my card, my business card, which it's herbs and my business card, which says Sue Houseman, sewing and quilting edutainer and Herb Houseman, CEO. Carry everything out. So (laughs) that's always been my favorite. I love that. (laughs) But I guess my goal in life is to build people and to care about others and to share the joy of sewing with others. So I'd like to consider myself, when I say edutainer, I mean, I want their sewing to be fun. And so my son came up with that many, many years ago. It was a term in the computer industry. And he said, you should be calling yourself an edutainer because you go out and do all these programs and you teach people how to make things, but you make them happy too. It kind of wasn't always like that either, was it? I mean, uh, when you look back at even 
in your childhood and when you started sewing, you said you, you were making a lot of things for the house, but some, some of that was sort of a necessity, right? Because you didn't have a lot of department stores that you could easily go out and buy things inexpensively to decorate your home or for clothing and whatnot. You had to repurpose a lot of stuff or you just had to make it because it was too costly to buy it or have it custom made. But that hasn't always been the case. And you were kind of right on the edge of that. You helped create that, if you would say, of sewing for fun. What's your recollection of that and when that sort of switch started to happen? So glad you asked that because I was sewing for my family. And uh, actually, in those days, when the kids were really little, I became a Tupperware lady and got a car. And I found out I really liked selling as well. And I loved making people happy at Tupperware parties. And so in 1966, because I loved to sew, I went to work for the Singer Company in Marshall Fields. And I had, it was very much a man's world in those days. And I moved from there to working for a man who was ready to retire. He was in his 80s in Highland Park, Illinois, Mr. Aaron's. And basically, sewing was not something you did for fun. Sewing was a necessity skill and every home owned a sewing machine. And the man bought it because it was an appliance for the home <laughs> in most in most cases. And oh, I just remember this gentleman that I worked for, he hated it that I didn't get people back in the corner to sell them the sewing machine at the desk and write it up. And I'd sit them at the machine. I'd show them my blind him and you know, I'd get them excited. And <laughs> I said, we should be doing classes. And so that was really the change. I went from there to a lady who also at that time was a who's front of biking dealer, but had only sold like one or two sewing machines a year or something. And within a year, we became the number one dealer in the state of Illinois, which was pretty exciting. Wow. But basically that was due to what I called sew-ins. And they were sew-ins at Finn's because that was the name of the store. And we did free one-hour classes every week. We did them, you know, Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, and Thursday night. And they were just sit across around, no reservations or anything. If you got a chair, it was great. If people were, you know, handicapped or something, they'd let people sit down or halfway through, we'd switch chairs. But we would go from having 20 to 80 people in these classes, every class. And it was so amazing. And we did fun sewing and we showed them what a new machine would do for them. And basically these people, it it was a very affluent area as well. So these people could buy a new expensive sewing machine, really. And so the vice president of biking came out and said to me, how are you selling so many machines here? And I said, we don't sell them. I said, they buy them. I said, all we show them is what they could do with them. <laughs> and he said, well, what do you do? And I told him about the classes and he said, well, would you consider coming to work for Who's Grown Viking and doing and teaching stores how to have classes and how to do this? And I said, oh gosh, my dream job, travel. But I said, I still have a 15 and a half year old at home. Our other three are grown and gone. But I have a 15 and a half year old. Truthfully, he does not need a mother, but he deserves one. And I said, then I have a husband at home. And truthfully, he doesn't deserve me, but he needs me. <laughs> and it was kind oh, of poor Herb. Come on. I know, I know. But it was kind of a joke. But truthfully, Herb had gone to school nights the first 15 years we were married. So he had never run a washer. He had never, you know, done a dish. He didn't do that kind of stuff. And I thought he starved to death. And so basically I did not take the job. Well, about a year and a half later, we lived on land my grandpa had bought in the 20s, north of Chicago. We all lived family, family land. We thought every kid would take an acre and build a house on the pond. I mean, doesn't that make sense? Yeah. And within a, about a month and a half time, our children moved all over the country 
And my parents retired to Arizona and we were left alone on this family plot. And I looked at Herb and I said, my life is over. My job is over. And he said, I know you want to try that traveling job. So why don't we try it for a year? And 28 years later, we were doing it together. That 15 is... years later, we started doing it together. And then 28 years later, we're still doing it together. So I believe God has led me in a lot of ways. And each one of those stops along the way, there was a mentor who taught me different things. This older gentleman taught me all about all different makes and brands of sewing machines and used machines and how to repair. You know, he taught me all that. Then I went to work for a lady who taught me how to display and beautiful fab, all about beautiful fabrics and how to get people excited about sewing. And so lots of fun years. That is so awesome. So you started with Mr. Aaron's, you said he was a singer, a singer dealer? No, he sold Who's Kind of Viking oh, he sold and he sold Elna. He was Elna, big Elna dealer. He sold a couple other brands and he sold Singer. So he had a lot of brands and that was oh, okay. a real learning experience for me, of course. Was that relatively common at the time to have multiple um, brands like that? I know Singer was so big in those days. Yeah, Singer stores had, of <clears throat> course, only Singer, but there were a few stores around that had branched out and done other things. And, and what we did in our stores, we really took care of the customers. And if the machine had an issue or a problem, we took care of them. Or I took care of them. I mean, in some cases, that's why actually, forgive me, but that's why I no longer went, worked at Marshall Fields with Singer because they weren't taking care of the customers, I felt. And so I wanted to go someplace where they really want to take the, well, in other words, I had to become the manager. I had to run the sewing machine department <laughs> to be the person that took care of the customers, but I wanted to take care of, make them happy. Bottom line, make them happy with their new purchase. Yeah. And of course, one of the ladies who came in to buy like her third new top of the line, his friend of Viking from me, she's writing the check and she says, my husband just wants you to know that your free classes are a joke. <laughs> Because she was buying all these expensive machines because <laughs> she's coming to the classes. <laughs> I love that. That's too funny. So somewhere along the way there, your world intersected with another couple that are near and dear to me that were doing some similar things, trying to teach people how to, to have fun sewing. How did you come across Fred and Joyce Drexler and get involved with Sulky or Sulky get involved with you and sort of bring our wonderful thread products at the time to the masses? You know, it's so interesting you should be asking this because I just reminisced this whole thing as I wrote a tribute to Fred for his 80th birthday. Mm. And I wrote about the curly haired permanent man with hair who called me to sell me speed stitch kits at Finn's. That was the place where we were doing all these classes and wanted to sell me these speed stitch kits so that we could teach free motion embroidery, which we did. We bought the kits and we taught speed stitch at free motion embroidery. But as the years went on, and then when I was working for Who's Front of Viking, of course, we introduced pictograms, which to me were the first real machine embroidery. But you programmed elements of embroidery to create these pictograms, which could be animals, could be flowers, could be stars, whatever. We had a lot of ladies who loved their machines and wrote books on this, which was great, but you had to have beautiful thread. And so, of course... <laughs> We had sulky and it took third. They were pro, they were actually the stitches were made for 30 weight sulky rayon thread. And so that's how I originally got involved with Joyce and Fred. And they were business associates in those days. 
Today, we call them close friends. <laughs> and that happened as we began working together on America Sews. And America Sews with Sue Houseman was the first public television show that we produced. And basically, I felt there were other shows out there. A lot of them, number one, didn't show the machines very well because they probably didn't know the machines really well. But also they were showing like couture techniques or they were showing quilting techniques. There was no real, basically, here's some quick ways of making some cool stuff. And Mm. so I suggested we do one series. That was 13 weeks that we do one series to our president and that we find sponsors to help us pay for it. And so Sulky, yay! right away came in as a sponsor for America Souls with Sue Houseman. And basically that's how we became dear friends because every show, every series, well, when the first series was over, it ran so well that the uplink company from public television called and said, you got to do another one. And I went down to the president and I said, they're telling us we have to do another one. Basically, we thought we'd just do one and the dealers could use those tapes. We made VHS tapes that they could have in their stores and that kind of thing to show how to do a lot of these techniques. But it became quite, I think we did 600 and some. At one point when we were taping one day, they came out. something episodes. Yeah, they, they, wow. they came out and they said, well, you just exceeded Lawrence Welk in the number of shows <laughs> you've produced. <laughs> and I said, wow. But basically, Joyce and Fred became dear friends. And we started going to visit them at their home, which, of course, was so fun. But we had three people come to every taping. And Carol was Carol Ingram, dear friend Carol Ingram, who has, of course, since passed. And Joyce Drexler and Patty Lee. And they came for the week, usually. They only had to be there a day, but they came for the week and they helped us with the show. And of course, Sulky provided products for the stabilizers and threads and everything we needed to create these samples to show on the show. And we did a book for each series. There actually were 30 some books, 33, I think, books from America Sews. But basically, we became fast friends and they did wonderful, inspiring. I had, I actually had the joy and the privilege of learning all these techniques first because I was the host. Yeah. And so, so they would, they would share them with me. And it was really my job to just facilitate our incredible guests who were so knowledgeable. And as a result of that, I got to learn it all and do it all, which, which was fabulous. But that's how we originally connected with Sulky with speed stitch kits when I was working back at Finn's and then America sews. And of course, Viking carrying Sulky. And basically we worked with the Sulky products in our show and loved them and they worked and people would then want them. And so that was really, we had to be non-commercial on public television and we tried to be, but we also wanted people to know what we were using because they wanted to know what worked. That's fantastic. I know. And we had, yeah. Yeah, no, keep going. Well, I I, we had a, a lot of wonderful sponsoring companies, which was great. We had a ton of support. We went from there ultimately when FOF joined the Who's Front of Viking group and we became VWS. We uh, went on to do America Quilts creatively and we went on from there to do So Young, So Fun. And Sulky was always involved with us with our public television. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know Fred would very much say that the relationship from a very early on standpoint with you specifically had a lot to do with the early success of Sulky. You know, just uh, it's so funny how very you, kind. You, you meet the right people at the right time and, and things just work. But it's well, not, and the, and the right ahead. thing happening with the pictograms and then embroidery. Oh, my gosh. We had to have beautiful thread. Yeah. We had to have beautiful thread and quality, beautiful and quality thread to be able to create these beautiful 
beautiful embroidery. So it had just, and embroidery was just breaking into ready to wear. So it, and of course, people loved to make things their own. So in other words, now today, a lot of people buy, and I do a lot of that, buy ready to wear and then make it your own with creative embroidery, applique, other techniques. It's so fun to do that. And that was a lot, I think, of the success. Now, in America Sews, we always tried to do, we did two shows that were always machine arts. And that was, Joyce did one and Carol did the other. So that was very exciting. Mm. And then we always did one that was home deck. And we always did one that was garment sewing. And we always did one that was more crafty oriented. So we tried to have a lot of variety on that show. And one of the gals who was kind of helping us put this together wanted us to do what they call magazine format, which means you do 10 minutes of this, 10 minutes of this, 10 minutes of this, 10 minutes of this. And I said, no, we're going to do project format. I said, because we want people to know, number one, what they need to make it with and then how to cut it out, how to get it going and then how to make it. And the first show we did, the first thing we taped, we taped from the back of the machine, which is the way most everything was taped in those days. We stopped and we went, no, you know what? We're going to bring the cameras around to the back of the sewer so that the consumer is sitting at the machine Mm. and sees things going in and how to put them in and what to select. And so that was one of the huge things with America Sews. And it ran in 90 million households for almost 19 years. And basically, it was an incredible opportunity for people, I hope, because what we did, the educators that we hired for Who's Front of Viking and for FOP, for all of them, they would come on the show and it would be their job to come up with a, the quick project. Quick projects were like so popular. We did that on the first series so that we could actually have something to fill time if we needed or something that would be really fast if we didn't need it. Well, we got so much feedback on the first series that they loved the quick project. The quick project got more feedback than anything else. So we decided we had to keep the quick project in, which was great because we had our educators create the quick project, write the quick project, present the quick project on camera. And so that was an incredible training ground, I believe, for those people, mostly young people coming out of college, but some other people that we hired as educators. And of course, we had a freelance educated program that had over 30 freelance people around the country. And then in addition to about eight full-time educators at that time. So imagine how many people then were instructed and encouraged and inspired to sew as a result of just the airings of those shows, but also from the from the educators that you had right there with you that you were helping along that then went out and taught in retail stores. I mean, it's in the millions, you know, it has to be in, I'm in sure multiple, multiple millions of people that began sewing or picked back up sewing as a result of that. What a what a tribute to to the whole industry. Well, we, we basically when I um, came in, I was a marketing specialist, they called it. I went out and taught and trained retailers how to do class programs in their store and how to build traffic and bring people in. And I had a sales training as well. And then ultimately I became in charge of education and we took the education program from a teach me how to use the machine I've already bought in the feet I want to buy mm-hmm. to a teach me why I want to sew, teach me why I want a new machine, why, what this can do for me and let me have fun doing it and uh, help me grow as a creator, I guess would be the word as a creator. Yeah. yeah. And so it was just fun to be to be able to be a part of that and to be able to share that with people all over the actually all over the world now because some people we hear from 
One of the most fun things I, t- I did mention, I had done a couple craftsy classes and they have been extremely popular. But one of the most fun things I did was sulky Zen. After mm. I retired, Herb and I were traveling around doing programs at retailer stores and we called them Sew and Quilt with Sue. And basically we did a lot of those programs all over up until the pandemic, actually. And then you invited me to be involved in the sulky Zen program and trained me, brought me to a training so I could do the hands-on. And you know what, Jason, I just got an email from somebody that, or no, they were on Facebook. Nine years ago, they took the Sulky program and they were so thrilled with it. And so that was an incredible hands-on program I got to do. And Ellen and I did the Sulky Zen that you can actually purchase on the Sulky site. I think you can still buy it. Actually, Um, yeah. yeah. The, The folks with Golden Peak Media still have it on Sewing Daily. Sewing Daily. Is, is where okay. you can go to sign up for that. Because I have to say, we showed anything and everything you would want to know about embroidery. And the one class I gave was on stabilizers. It was an hour long. And I said, you'd pay at a dealer's store $100 to come take just this class because it was everything yeah. you need to know about what stabilizer to use when. And of course, we showed how to do bulky items and hats and all kinds of things like that. And we used three different brands of sewing machines on that one. We used the Baby Lock brother, the Baby Lock, which is just like the brother. We used the Viking and we used, um, I don't know, we used another couple. We used five, we, we tried to show a bunch of different brands so that people yeah. that owned lots of different sewing machines wouldn't feel they couldn't do it on their sewing machine because everything we showed could be done on any embroidery machine. Anybody with an embroidery machine certainly needs to see a program like that. If not that one specifically, it's invaluable stuff right there. So, so you've done a lot of sewing. You've done a lot of teaching of sewing. What do you love to sew? Like what, if you just are thinking, man, I really want to start a new sewing project. What is it that you like to sew? Well, currently I keep really busy with projects, helping others learn and helping others sew. I actually sent you guys some pictures, but one was a t-shirt quilt that a gal from a young woman from our church, a teenager, and she asked if I would make her a t-shirt quilt. And I said, I won't make you a t-shirt quilt, but what I'll do is you can come over to my sewing room and I will help you learn to make a t-shirt quilt. I love that. So she came for three, she came three weeks in a row on the same day and she went home every week with homework. I mean, the first week she was to iron uh, because of course we put tender touch on the back, the fusible trico on the back of every t-shirt that's going to be used, you know? And so she went home to put that on top fuse, not, not iron, fuse that on with steam, you know, and then came back the next week and then we cut them out. And so she made the quilt and same with my neighbor who I helped make a little uh, baby quilt. So I really enjoy helping others to learn, but I have been making quilts for each of the grandchildren as they get married. And since there's 10 grandchildren, that's keeping me busy. And I've been making for each of the great grandchildren as they're born. And since there's nine great grandchildren, that's been keeping me busy. (laughs) But occasionally I'll sit down and sew something special for myself. And I still have quite the fabric collection of beautiful fabrics that I love to take out and stroke every once in a while. <laughs> you know, you know, fabric is not intentionally, I don't know. Do you know, it's a collection. Do you know any postage stamp collector that puts his 
postage stamps on a letter and mails them? No, I mean, he enjoys them. But ba- but basically, I do have That's a great analogy. Real- well, you know what? You know what Herb calls it? He said, I, when I came home from one big shopping trip and I had a lot of, I was doing a program at a store. Of course, I would go to all these beautiful stores where they had beautiful fabric. I had both these bags and I came in the door and, you know, I've, I haven't mentioned Herb much and praise the Lord. Herb has encouraged me every step of the way in everything I have done in this. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't have done it. He encouraged me to actually take that first job or I would never that. have taken a traveling job. And so basically, but I came in with all this fabric and he said, well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to build shelves along all the outer walls. I'm going to stack the fabric in tight and we'll raise the R factor and insulate the house. <laughs> <laughs> that was his solution to lots of fabric, but I, but I do have some beautiful pieces. And so every once in a while, I want a pretty outfit. And I think I'm going to take one of those beautiful pieces and make a jacket or take one of those beautiful pieces. I have some handwoven pieces that I'm still using and that I can still make things out of. Well, you know, that's what I always say. People should give the gift of sewing. They should share it. Number one, Quick Gifts was really our best selling book. And Quick Gifts was always the best program. And so it was lots of gifts that could be made in an hour or two and given to people, man, woman, child, baby. And so give the gift of sewing by making gifts from yourself that you give to people as a gift. But the other way, of course, to give the gift of sewing is to teach others to sew. And then the third way is to give a gift to yourself. So always remember to give gifts to yourself and to make something for yourself or your home. I consider it a gift to myself when I make something for the other. We, Herb and I are so blessed. We have everything we need, but we have so much more than we need. And so I'm happy to share this skill and make things for people who need to learn or need a gift or whatever. I love that. So is there something that you have not done in sewing? Is there like a technique or a something in sewing that's kind of on your bucket list of sewing that you've yet to, to try your hand at? I can't Boy. imagine that there is. Uh, I, I'm sure there is, but I'm not sure. I don't, I can't tell you right now what it is because everything that's come along, I've tried and it's been wonderful to learn it and then to share it. One example, I recently made a, I saw this um, wall hanging and I, and I actually sent you a picture of it and I thought, oh, this would be cool to make for our Arizona home. We don't have anything real arizona And it had five panels that hung and I thought, I'll do a different quilting technique on each one of the panels and then I can use it to teach this class and people can follow it. Well, I used, it it said to use fusible batting and I used two layers of fusible batting. What a nightmare, all that gook in there to quilt. And I was showing different quilting techniques and different threads. I used 30 weight, you know, Sokia on one, 12 weight on another, and rayon on another, just to show the different threads and what they could do. And so in the class, believe me, we did not use fusible fleece. We used Sulky KK2000. (laughs) And that's what we held things together with so that we didn't have to stop all the time I was, the gum, the gumming was terrible. So, but you know, if you do get a gummy needle, you simply take an alcohol swab and put it under the needle. You don't even wrap it. Just put under the needle and sew through it. And that'll take the gunk off. Having the right tools, Sue. It's all about the right tools. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All about the right tools. <laughs> Are you sewing anything in particular right now that you want to talk about? Yeah, I've got three things going. I, I've got a quilt for our granddaughter, our youngest granddaughter, because our youngest son, Bruce, they're the ones that went to Africa today on their summer, summer trip. But basically he said, mom, you know, we thought it might be nice if you'd make a quilt for each of the girls. They're the only ones now that aren't grown and married. And I said, well, you know, Bruce, I have been making a quilt for each of the grand kids when they get married. And he said, mom, I think you better get going. You may not live that long. (laughs) This 
is my son Bruce. Leave it to your kids, right? Your kids will always remind you of your mortality in every single way possible. He's the quite outspoken one. And when he was 13, he said, mom, do you wear makeup? And I said, well, Bruce, I wear a little makeup, but I really don't like a real makeup. He said, maybe you start thinking about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he is quite the outspoken one. But I'm working on a quilt for the last of those three girls. And it's actually a drunkard's path. And you might wonder, why would you make a drunkard's path quilt for a teenage girl? Well, my grandmother gave me a drunkard's path quilt for mm-hmm. my eighth grade graduation. And so oh, she just graduated from eighth grade. And so I'm making her a drunkard's path quilt. And then I'm also working on a really sweet, the Lord is my shepherd quilt for one of the two-year-old Uh, We have several that are two years old, great grandchildren for as she's transitioning into a twin bed, because of course she had a baby quilt. Yeah. And I just finished a tractor quilt for her brother, who's four. So I'm doing, I'm actually doing quick quilts. I mean, is is sewing still your full-time job, Sue? I mean, it sounds like it. (laughs) No, it's definitely, it's, it's my fun. It's my fun time, actually. It's not my full-time job, but it's my fun job. But now we have so much going on. I work with kids at church and I do a lot of different things around here. And I go to her, how did we ever have time to work? <laughs> right? Yep. That's fantastic. How so did we ever have time to work? What about when you're not sewing, Sue? What do you enjoy outside of sewing? I mean, if you're posting something on social media about your newest adventure or thing that's not sewing related, what might that be? Yeah, I don't do a lot with social media. I have a Facebook page that is a sewing page, Sue Houseman Sewing Life. And that's where I have posted all the project sheets from lots and lots of projects that we've done at events and things because people always want to know, where do I get the sheet on how to make this? You know, And I say, oh, just go to the little blue folder on my work website, which is Sue Houseman Sewing Life. And you'll get this little blue folder. You can click on that. And there's a bunch of project sheets. It's a Dropbox. You can just download them and save them or print them or whatever you want to do. But we keep really busy around the house. We don't do as much as we used to because it's, you know, this is Arizona. It's retirement. But we do get out. We, we have a lot of church activities. We lead a Bible study every week in our home. And we try to get together with friends. And we try to help neighbors that aren't doing as well as we are. And of course, I'm the secretary of the HOA board. So that takes a little bit of time. <laughs> I love it. And I teach uh, preschoolers on Sunday school. And so that takes a little time. But That's- we keep busy. Yeah, that's good. It's good to stay busy and active, right? That keeps you young and, and, and we travel gives you purpose. A lot. We try to travel a lot. Now, Herb's kind of tired of traveling, but I got him a companion pass so he can fly free now with me and try to visit these kids and grandkids and great grandkids. We have a grandson stationed in Hawaii and he and his wife have a little two-year-old and we were there last December. We're going to go there again in October to see them. And we have kids in Nebraska, Minnesota, Atlanta, Georgia, California, Texas, all over the country. And so we try to get out to see them. Nice. Well, Sue, I always try to end the podcast with this uh, specific question. I'm sure I I know your answer to it already, but I've always kind of said that (laughs) I'm sure you'll put some kind of awesome spin on it, though, that I can possibly imagine. I've always said that, you know, as an industry that we're really not selling thread or notions, fabric, et cetera. But, you know, what really, if we could bottle up the feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction that comes from creating, that we could really, really make some hay. And I just wonder if, if you believe that and, and how that idea might have driven your own journey, if you will, in, in sewing. It certainly did. 
when I would do my sales trainings, when I was working with the company and we were selling sewing machines, I would always say, always keep in mind, people are not buying a sewing machine. They're buying what it does and what it does for them and the joy it brings to them as they create on it. And so I think that's the key that people who don't sew, and not everyone loves to sew and is going to love to sew, but I always used to say, I'd love for you to try it. And I'd love for you to find a friend who sews and everybody who sews. I'm real involved down here in the American Sewing Guild and my chapter, and I do programs for the chapter. And also we have a quilters guild down here. And so share the joy of sewing with others and teach them how, because it has brought so much joy to your life. I've had many, many people come up to me at events and tell me that America Sews got them through a really difficult time in their life because they loved watching it and then they loved creating what we were making and it brought joy to their lives. Nobody can see the sulky soup spoolies, but <laughs> Joyce, you know, Joyce, when we were doing something and I don't remember, it probably was, Amer- no, I know it was Zen, I think. And we yeah. were trying to come with some new embroideries to put on the sulky embroidery where you can purchase embroideries right, on the right. sulky <laughs> website. And I said, we talked about making the little spools into people. And of course, Joyce Drexler, oh my gosh, the talent is amazing. And so she took them and she made these incredible little, what they call sulky spoolies. And they're little people, but they're spools of thread. And the one I'm showing Jason is actually carrying a sewing machine and has a little book called Sew and has a little pin cushion. And so it's just so cool. Her creativity is. And and of course, this was our Zen model. So we have all kinds of sulky spoolies and people look at them and they just smile. I have a t-shirt now, the newest who's front of Viking does ribbon embroidery. And I have a t-shirt that's a sheep and it has all this ribbon embroidery as the sheep's fur. And whenever I wear it, people are like, oh my gosh, where did you get that? I mean, I think you buy this upscale clothing yeah. and you don't. You buy a t-shirt at Marshall's and you put a, a, a sheep on it with ribbon embroidery. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. Well, I think I read a quote somewhere of you saying that you felt that your job, I don't know if it was your job title, but your job was to keep America sewing. And it, you have just embodied that. And I so appreciate all that you've done for our industry and what you continue to do for the industry, but for, for people in general and teaching them to sew and bringing joy to their lives through sewing. It's awesome. And I appreciate that. And thank you for joining us today and telling us all about your story and why you sew. Well, I so appreciate you inviting me. And I just pray and hope that your listeners will get into the sewing room today and create something for themselves, something that they will enjoy having and enjoy making and enjoy wearing or putting in their home. Yeah. Thank you, Sue. And if anybody wants to, if if our listeners want to learn more or have some of the projects, can you repeat once again, the website that they can go to that has information about you or, or your projects and things of that nature? Yeah, I used to have a website and I used to do a lot more on social media. But right now I just have a Facebook page that's actually uh, kind of around my work. And Herb and I have a Facebook page too, which is Herb Sue Houseman. But this one is called, just search Sue Houseman Sewing Life. And when you get get to that page, then scroll down to a little blue file folder and click on that file folder. And it's going to take you to a Dropbox. And that Dropbox is going to be full of the quick and easy and fun projects, like make a shower curtain. You know, I've got directions there for a shower curtain and a little curtain balance for your bathroom. Beautiful batik shower curtain just transforms your bathroom. Right. And so 
those kinds of things, again, enjoy and share the joy of sewing. And I say the joy of life because we all want to have joy in our life. And, and that's really, it's up to us. We can make, we can have joy or we can be crabby people. I always say, I want to wake up and have joy in my life. <laughs> I know we don't have time and you may edit this out, but I'll tell you where Keep the World Sewing came from. We were in a, a management training group and the trainer was giving an example of a fishing company who actually had attached to the fishing rods they sold a motto called Keep America Fishing. And I jumped up and I said, Keep America Fishing? Are you kidding? We want to keep America sewing. <laughs> and it was born. That minute, we spent the rest of that training that week planning how we were going to utilize this Keep America Sewing. And then a few years later, of course, the whole company worldwide decided to change it to Keeping the World Sewing. Who's Varna Viking? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you for your part in Keeping the World Sewing. So you've been a great ambassador and everyone who sews or knows someone who sews should absolutely appreciate the work you've done there. Thank you for the joy of being with you. Love Love you, Jason. You too, love, Sue. Love you all, sewers. Hopefully we'll get to see you on the road again sometime soon, okay? I hope so. <laughs> all right. Well, you take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Why Sew with Sulky. Visit sewingonline.sulky.com for more info on today's episode and to browse our educational offerings, including live webcast, videocast, and special events that you can watch in the comfort of your own home with your sewing machine by your side.